Our scripture reading this morning is 1 Timothy 4. We'll actually start reading at the last verse of 1 Timothy 3, which is the mystery of godliness or the doctrine of godliness, moving then to the doctrine of demons and how we are to respond to that. 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, it's page 1178. 1,178. 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. Great indeed is, we confess, the mystery of godliness. He, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage, and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. And here's our text. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. And if you put these things before the brothers... You'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. This is God's word. May he bless it to our hearts and lives. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, I don't know if it's still done on invoices, But I know it has been done in the past that when you pay your bill at a local merchant, the local merchant will write or stamp on your invoice, payment received with thanks. Received with thanks. And this is how God wants us to receive all his good gifts, with thanks. Gifts received with thanks. And that's how we really consecrate God's good gifts. By offering them to the Lord with thanksgiving. When we use them with thanksgiving, these gifts are consecrated to the Lord's service. Together with the word of God in prayer, it says. So let's take a moment to hear God's word in 1 Timothy 4, verses 4 and 5, about how God calls us to receive his gifts. And we see two things, faith rejects none of God's good gifts, none of God's good creation. And then secondly, faith receives all of God's good creation with thanksgiving, rejects none of his creation, receives all of it with thanksgiving. Now, there's always been a lot of creation rejection going on. In the world, all kinds of taboos and paganism, and they live among us today in our culture. 
and all kinds of taboos in Christianity inherited from paganism. And that's what Paul's dealing with in these verses in 1 Timothy. Jewish mysticism, importing pagan taboos, combined really for a a terrible mixture. A terrible recipe for Christian living. Because there were people in those days, false teachers, forbidding marriage and requiring abstinence from certain foods, it says. That's not just a choice to say, I'm not going to eat this or that. It was saying, no, this is a law of God and, and it's immoral to eat that. This gift of God. They taught that if you want to be saved, or at least... If you want to feel God's pleasure in your life, or if you want to grow in your holiness, and if you want a closer walk with God, you should forbid, you should abstain from marriage and from certain foods. Then you'll live the higher Christian life. That's what they were teaching. You must abstain from marriage. Now, we know singleness is a holy choice when made for the right reason. But marriage is God's good gift and must not be rejected as a good and holy choice for people. And what about foods? Jews and Muslims forbid eating pork. I know God gave food laws in the Old Testament as a picture of holiness to set the Jewish nation apart as the people who would give birth to the Messiah. Yes. But that's not because certain foods were bad. And when Jesus came, those food laws fell away. They're gone. Mormons forbid all drinks with caffeine. Others forbid all alcohol. Some forbid all luxuries. Some have kosher rules for food. Some have halal rules for food. Today, there's a new secular morality with guilt-inducing rules of all kinds for so-called ethical foods, rejecting eggs and meat and milk and a long list of foods and other practices as immoral. And rule upon rule upon rule for what you may and may not eat. And why not? Again, not as personal health choices, but... Moral rules, rules for spirituality or rules for communion with God. And in the early church, there were all kinds of these false Christian movements rejecting God's creation. The Ancretites, I'm just going to list a few. The Catharites, the Manichaeans, the Cataphrygians, the Montanists, just to name a few. And Phil, Phil Riken in his commentary and First Timothy refers to a contemporary religious movement called the straight edge. I've not heard of the straight edgers myself, but maybe you have. Straight edgers outlaw smoking, marriage, and eating anything that comes from an animal, meat, dairy products, eggs. They consider that immoral, and they rate you and accept you or reject you on that basis. Straight edgers. Well, there's a lot of straight edging going on in our culture. A lot of creation rejecting going on. And Paul's not okay with such rules. 
He calls these doctrines of demons. Come on, Paul, that's a little radical. We're just forbidding this. No, that's a doctrine of demons because God created everything good. And if you say that that's bad, you're calling God a liar. You're rejecting God. You're rejecting his goodness. That's why that's so terrible. That's why that's such a big deal. That's why that kind of legalism and asceticism is so immoral, though it has an appearance of purity, doesn't it? And wisdom, Paul says in Colossians 2. It's not at all. There's an appearance that you can stay pure. No, no. Purity comes from trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead through his spirit to live in you and sanctify you, not from these kinds of man-made rules. And that's also why it's so demonic because it's looking for purity and sanctification and holiness in all the wrong places. You get it by looking at Jesus, not by setting up all kinds of legalistic rules for what you may wear and may not wear and eat and not eat and whether you may marry or not marry. Yeah, but you say everything God created is good to be received with thanksgiving, but you know, sometimes when humans get their hands on it and they manufacture it, it's not so good anymore. They wreck the good creation. And they turn it into something evil. So we process flour and whey powder and put a little food coloring in it. And what do we call it? Cheetos. Is that good? Or you take a few food scraps and throw it in a sock and you call it hot dogs. Is that good? Well, human wisdom says you look at the ingredients, you make a decision, but... You don't make it a matter of morality or immorality and make a rule about it. It's still God's creation. You might check on the chemical mixture in it uh, and the, the quantity of certain items in it, of course, and you, you're free to say no thank you. But we must be careful about making rules that reject God's creation. Of course, that is the main thing, the main issue. God created it good, so don't reject it as bad. Don't call unclean what God has declared clean. Receive God's good gifts with thanksgiving, and that's the second thing we look at. Faith rejects nothing that God created. Faith receives with thanksgiving everything God created. Paul says in verse 3 that some forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods. And then notice how he ends that. Foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. You see, there are false teachers who take a wrong view of everything, a wrong view of all good gifts. They got bad eyes. They got sin eyes, sin glasses on. They can't see anything properly. But those who know and believe the truth, they look at everything with different eyes. They, they've got Bible glasses on. They got Jesus glasses on. Those who know and believe the truth, they receive everything God has created with thanksgiving. Now, who are they? Those who know and believe the truth. That's just shorthand for 
Christians. Those who believe in Jesus Christ and they've been set free from taboos and from legalism. They've been set free from looking for their safety and their security and their salvation and their sanctification and their approval from God in rules about stuff. They have found their safety in Jesus Christ. That's what it is to know and believe the truth. Our safety is in Jesus Christ, not in eating or not eating, marrying or not marrying, doing or not doing. I came to Jesus and in him all my sins were forgiven. In him I was made right with God. In Jesus God is pleased with me. Not because of what I wear or eat or whether I'm married or single, but because of Christ. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him my resting place and he has made me glad. And brothers and sisters, it's a great thing to be a Christian. Not only because you have peace with God, but you have peace with creation. A whole new world opens up to you literally when you trust in Jesus Christ and you're right with God. Then you discover he's your creator, he's good, and that he has put his word very good and he's stamped it on all he has made and the world is your playground to enjoy. Oh, there are rules for the playground in the Bible. Like, don't overindulge and don't worship that thing. That thing can't give you happiness. But it's yours to enjoy for the glory of God and to be received with thanksgiving and offered up, consecrated to the, to the Lord through the word of God in prayer, it says. That's how we receive it, with thanksgiving. I can play in God's playground with a free conscience and enjoy it all, all that God has created. In Jesus, I came to know God as my creator and I came to see and appreciate his glory in creation and see creation as God's gift given to me to use for his glory. In him, I learned no longer to be scared of creation. Those are the pagan taboos nor to depend on it for my security. That's the worship of creation. But just to be thankful for it. And you know what else happened? When I came to Jesus Christ, he put a new law in my heart. His word. And he taught me now to judge everything by his word, not by human opinions not by customs, not by what other people are saying about it or rules that are made by this or that tribe, not by what the straight edgers are saying. He put a new law in my heart, the word, and so it says that all God's gifts or creation is good, nothing's to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, and it says, for it's made holy by what? Two things, the word of God and prayer. So to receive something with thanksgiving... Is to sanctify it to the Lord under the word of God and in prayer. That's what it is to receive it with thanksgiving. You cover it with the word of God and prayer. 
That's what happens. You cover it first with the word of God. That's how you receive it with thanksgiving. It's made holy by the word of God. No, that sounds strange. You make your food holy by the, by the word of God. It just means that when you put your Bible glasses on and look at God's creation from the perspective of God's word, then you see its proper use. It, it's sanctified. It's set apart for God's glory. It, that's what it means to be made holy. It doesn't become magic or anything like that. It's set apart for God's glory in the way you smell it, taste it, eat it, use it. Wonderful thing. And suddenly we see the beauty and goodness. Because that's what God wants. That we look at the good creation and through the Bible are lifted upward to see the good creator. The goodness of God simply means his generosity spilling over in undeserved gifts to his people, to the world. His generosity spilling over. He's a generous God. Spilling over in undeserved gifts. Especially to his people, but to all people. That's the goodness of God. The goodness of God, you might say, is sanctified by the word of God in putting that verse on everything that God made. And behold, it was very good. God said that. That's God's word. Put that on everything. Behold, it was very good. Behold, it was very good. I know because of sin, we can twist something and use it for a bad purpose. But that doesn't make God's creation bad. No, we have to be careful than to use everything for God's glory. Whether it's money, phones, shoes, or pork. Or whatever else. So that verse, behold, it was very good. Together with all the other 31,101 verses in the Bible. That's the word of God that we use as the lens to look on the world of God. And that word of God enables us and empowers us to appreciate and enjoy it when the spirit works with that word in our hearts and lives. And again, certainly God's word has rules for how to receive and enjoy God's playground, God's world. Not to worship it, not to overindulge, to be moderate in its use, to share it. That's another way, by the way, Paul says in two chapters later, if you look at the end of 1 Timothy 6, another way to enjoy God's good gifts, look at the end of 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Another way to enjoy God's gifts. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, how? They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That's another way to enjoy the things that God has richly provided, to do good with it, to share it, to bless others with it. A number of ways in which God's word teaches us to enjoy his good gifts. Only a believer in Jesus can really know God and see his creation as good. And only a believer in Jesus is really set free to enjoy his good gifts.
And a person who believes the Bible should be able to enjoy and take pleasure in God's world more than anyone else. Here, when you embrace and enjoy God's word, you can embrace and enjoy God's world like no one else. So we receive it with thanksgiving when we make it holy through the word of God or when it is made holy by the word of God, but also with prayer. Prayer. That's what he says. It's set apart by prayer. And of course, prayer is a very important part of thanksgiving, obviously. Thanksgiving means giving thanks. Thanksgiving means praying. Talking to God. If you ate today, says the bumper sticker, thank the Lord. Oh, wait, I think it actually says something else. And obviously, we know that farmers are involved, and we thank the Lord for our farmers and the investment they make, but also those involved in shipping and processing, retailing, marketing, retailing. There's so many involved, cooking. But finally, we thank the Lord. We're his stewards, but he's the giver. And he's the giver of wisdom and skill and implements and tools. To, to work this all and develop it and to make it palatable, useful. If you ate today, thank the Lord. So we take time to thank him in prayer and ask him to bless our marriages, our children, our food, our drink, our clothing, our homes, everything. And that's why we do pray and read the Bible at mealtimes. I know it's a custom, but it's a good one because it's to be received in thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Isn't that a good reason to pray and read the Bible at mealtimes? But as Chesterton says, I have it in the bulletin, you say grace before meals, all right. But I say grace before the play and the opera and grace before the concert and pantomime and grace bef before I open the book and grace before sketching and painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. Thanksgiving is a way of life. You're going down the road and you see the colors and you see the combine just pumping soybean into the dump wagon. And you see the fields filled with pumpkins and squash and gardens full of ripe tomatoes. And you walk to the kitchen and there's the smell of turkey and spice and People come and you have coffee and you talk. and There's so much to give thanks for. God wants us to be thanking him in every circumstance and all the time. It's not often then it's in silent prayer or felt prayer. What a blessing to live under the open hand of God. So as those who believe and know the truth, let's lead the way in showing the world that it's created by him and it's good and it's for his glory and we are to receive it all with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus Christ, his son. 
Your gifts, Lord, received with thanks. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in God, we praise you for your awesome wisdom, wonder, power, and truth. It fills the whole world, but is especially found in your word. Where you give us the right lens to interpret the world and to receive it properly. Lord, it is so hard to handle the world in a right way. Unbelief would handle it in all the wrong ways, either through fear or worship. Looking for security and rules about stuff. But we know that's useless, that's dead, that can't work. And we thank you for setting us free through the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, to know that our safety and security and holiness are in him alone. And that you've opened up the world to us to enjoy and to use for your glory. Help us to do that well. Help us to receive all that you've created with thanksgiving. Father, receive our thanks today. And every day in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.